It's Argentina. It's Mexico. It's Poland. And it's Saudi Arabia. It's Group C. And it's the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. Hello and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And we will be doing a group-by-group preview in this series. Uh, this podcast is looking at Group C, made up of Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia. Right, and this series will be followed by our next one, which is a team-by-team look at their players. Uh, Then shortly before the Cup, we'll be doing another podcast series with final updates on both teams and players. So this series features a deep dive into the World Cup Finals history of the teams. Uh, For a deeper dive still, you can check out any of the nine podcast series we've done so far. Uh, we'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. Right. Stay tuned at the end if you want more information on that. But let's look at the uh, three sections that we're going to cover in this podcast. So with part one, we begin with a look at who is in the group, uh, which pot they came from, their colors and nickname, and some geographical information about each country, uh, comparing how big each country is in relation to the others in the group. Right, and part two is the longest section, a team-by-team overview with a quick review of their participation and major achievements, an overview of their world and regional cup history, and uh, for this series, a deep dive into their World Cup's final history. So we'll give particular attention uh, at the end of each section to their recent tournaments and games. Right, and then we end uh, part three Uh, with a summary of each team and a sense of their current form as we lead into a comparison of the teams through their FIFA and ELO rankings, head-to-head meetings, and the odds on their success. Uh, This launches us into a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. Right, and at the end, we'll again provide our address and the links uh, so that those who want to delve into more history on the teams can check Uh, our previous podcasts. There is, by the way, a YouTube version of uh, this and a podcast version. Uh, They are the same broadcast, but the YouTube version has simple graphics to follow while one listens along. So uh, those can be found also in the show notes along with other information. Now, Connor, I am finally uh, actually prepared uh, shirt-wise for one of these groups. I have an Argentina shirt. Very nice, uh, very classic. Um, I do not have a, a, a shirt for one of these teams, so I'm just wearing my uh, my uh, UEFA shirt, which has the, uh, the flags of all 54 UEFA members. Oh, cool. Well, unlike when I wear a Canada shirt, uh, uh, I, I, I'm pretty honest about my biases. I'm not uh, particularly a fan of Argentina, although I'm not against them either. Uh, I just happen to uh, have the shirt, so... So that's why I'm wearing it. Great. All right, let's begin with part one uh, and kind of an overview of each team. And we're going to start with Argentina. Right, so Argentina are the part one team. 
Uh, their nickname is La Albi Celeste, which means the white and sky blue, which is an obvious reference to both their flag and their jersey, which is uh, the traditional white and sky blue stripes. As right. is, is demonstrating for our, our viewers. <laughs> I thought, actually, uh, I was waiting for you to say uh, La Selection, because I thought that was their nickname. Uh, I've heard both. Oh, okay. Uh, are we going to talk about where they're from uh, within each pot? Yeah, so Argentina um, was kind of from the middle of pot one. Uh, they were the fourth-ranked FIFA team um, at the time of the draw, so that puts them kind of from the middle of pot one. Right, because the first team uh, was Qatar, so that would put them uh, fifth in pot one. All right, on to Mexico. All right, Mexico, nicknamed El Tri, which is uh, refers to the three colors of their flag, green, white, and red. And also their jerseys um, with the green shirt um, predominantly. Um, and Mexico are the top ranked team from pot two. So they're actually, they were ninth in the world at the time of the draw. So they just missed out on pot one. Um, so yeah, I can kind of uh, by the rankings, I guess, the strongest pot two team available. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, on to Poland. Poland are named the White and Reds or the Eagles, but I'm not going to. Uh, Try pronouncing either of those in Polish. Um, they uh, their jersey is uh, is white uh, with red shorts, but they've also worn a white and red shirt recently. Um, and they come um, from kind of near the bottom of pot three. So um, yeah, twenty six overall. So kind of um, yeah, a mid strength team uh, from pot three. Yeah, and I should say uh, we tried to, to kind of pick uh, the kind of typical jersey or something uh, that, uh, at least in my mind, uh, that's how I see them. But actually, their jersey in the tournament uh, may, may be different. But the main colors should be the same. On to Saudi Arabia for pot four. All right, Saudi Arabia, yeah, the pot four team. Um, their nickname is the Green Falcons or the Sons of the Desert. Um, and as the nickname suggests, they wear green, uh, which is the color of their flag. And they're from the middle of pot four. So not the weakest team uh, in the tournament, um, but still the, uh, I guess, the lowest ranked team in this group. Right. Well, we can kind of judge the strength of the group uh, based on where they're coming from in the pots. Of course, if they all come from the top of each pot, that makes it a pretty tough team. Any comments on, oh, sorry, a pretty tough group. Any comments on this group, uh, Connor? I would say most of the teams are kind of in the middle of their pot, with the exception of Mexico. So you basically got two teams which, which are in the top 10 in the world. Um, I think they're the only group that has that. So I guess that, that creates a potentially a formidable top two, at least. Yeah, I don't know, though. We'll talk a bit later of whether I really see uh, Mexico as the ninth strongest team uh, in the world. Yeah, the FIFA rankings, we you know they're not perfect, um, but... Um, yeah, anyways, that's where they, they are in their pots, and we'll, we'll talk more about them later. Exactly. Okay, well, let's move on to a bit of geography, and uh, beginning with Argentina. So Argentina is the fifth largest country uh, competing at these finals in terms of area, um, at about 2.8 million square kilometers, um, and their population is 47 million people, so that's 11th largest um, of, of the 32 teams. Right, and they're kind of on the toward the south part, on the south part of uh, South America. 
Uh, okay, moving on to Mexico, which is in Central America, kind of between uh, America and the continent of South America. Yeah, um, they're also a large country, the seventh largest in this tournament at just under 2 million square uh, kilometers. Um, but they have the third largest population, 128 million people. Um, so huge country in terms of, uh, yeah, population. Um, their neighbors to the north, USA, are, are the largest population. So USA and Mexico are two of the top three in that regard. Right. Okay. Uh, well, on to Poland, which is kind of uh, on the east side uh, of Europe. It borders on the Ukraine uh, to the west and on Germany to the to the west, Ukraine to the east. Yeah. Um, so Poland is a, a mid-sized country, 300,000 square kilometers, so the 15th largest out of 32 in this tournament. Um, and their population at 38 million is uh, 13th overall. So middle, middle in country. Right. Okay. And finally to uh, Saudi Arabia, which is in the uh, Middle East, kind of between the African and the Asian continents. Yeah, and it's a quite a large country. Um, it's uh, 2.1 2 uh, million square kilometers, which is the sixth largest uh, in this uh, tournament, and of 35 million people, which is 15th, so just on the upper half um, of countries in terms of population. All right, well, Connor has thrown quite a few numbers out, so let's, uh, let's just take a look in comparison. Um, uh, do you wanna take it away? Yeah, so in terms of area, uh, the size of the countries, you have the fifth, sixth, and seventh largest countries at this tournament, which are Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and Mexico, respectively, um, as well as Poland, who are also in the top half, so some bigger countries. And then in terms of population, Mexico stands out as the largest with 128 million people. And then after that, it's Argentina with 47, Poland 38, and Saudi Arabia 35 million. So I guess those three countries are relatively similar. Right. Okay, well, that moves us on to part two of the podcast. And uh, we're going to start with uh, Argentina, uh, their participation and achievements. Any guess when they played their first international game, Connor? I think they're quite an old country, um, but I wouldn't know. I mean, I, um, yeah, before the first World Cup, so maybe 1910, 1920-ish. Oh, okay, a bit earlier than that in 1902. Um, so they are one of the senior members of international soccer, having been involved in the World Cup from the beginning in 1930. However, they withdrew from three cups in a row in 1938, 1950, and 1954. In 1938, it was in protest of Eurocentrism and was understandable. Uh, they were upset not only at traveling to Italy in 1934 to play just a single game, but also that the 1938 World Cup uh, was awarded to Europe, uh, although there had been an agreement that it would alternate between Europe and South America. The reasons in 1950 and 1954 are less clear, but it seems to have more been an issue with Brazil, who hosted the 1950 Cup. Uh, it's a shame, though, that they didn't attend, since they were one of the best teams in the world. From 1958, uh, they participated in the World Cup consistently. Um, as far as the Copa America goes, their consistency since its beginning in 1916 has been impressive. They missed only four editions in 1938 
And then in 1949 and 1953, uh, this also was due to a conflict with the Brazilian Football Association. And finally, in 2001, where they thought it was unsafe to participate in Colombia. As far as performance goes, the only World Cup they failed to qualify for was in 1970. Their success started in the first cup with the second place finish. They are a world-class team, having been in the World Cup final five times and winning twice in 1978 when they hosted and in 1986. In the Copa America, they have been in the final 26 out of the 39 times, uh, having withdrawn from four of the competitions, and they've won 15 times. Having last won in 1993, uh, at least up until recently, uh, they were frustrated uh, not to have earned more titles uh, under their greatest player, Lionel Messi. Right. Uh, okay, well, on we go to a bit of a closer look at the World Cup history, uh, although it's still an overview. Uh, their history at the World Cup began well with a second-place finish in the inaugural 1930 Cup, which took place in Uruguay. Uh, but the road proved very rocky after that. Uh, as we saw, they withdrew from the next three Cups, uh, despite it being a strong period for them in South American competition. When they, when they finally got a chance to prove themselves on the world stage in 1958, they were humiliated with a 1-6 loss to Czechoslovakia and a group stage exit. They hit rock bottom in 1970, the only year they failed to qualify, but their fortunes improved from 1974. In fact, they qualified for every cup and passed the group stage every time since 1974, uh, only failing to pass the group stage one time since. Uh, they finally hosted in 1978 and won their first title, and they won again in 1986 and took second place in 1990. In 2002, a stunning qualification campaign was followed by falling at the group stage for the only time in their modern history. And in 2014, they reached a final again after a 24-year wait, uh, which delighted them because they were hoping to do such a thing with uh, the great Lionel Messi on their team. Uh, 2014 was the fifth time in their final, uh, but they lost to Germany for their third second-place finish. All right, well, uh, let's move on to a look at the World Cup finals in detail. So we've divided this into five parts because they have a fairly long history. And part one of five deals with 1930 to 1958. All right. So, oh. No, I was going to say, uh, I'll let you start with uh, part one there, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the first World Cup was in neighboring Uruguay, uh, which gave them a good advantage. And they made the best of it with three wins in the group stage over France, Mexico, and Chile. Although there was a bit of suspicious activity with the game against France, uh, which was whistled to a close six minutes early as Argentina was one nothing up. They went on to crush USA 6-1, but they lost in the semi-final to host Uruguay. Um, okay, well, the 1934 Cup was in Italy and featured a format like the final stages of a modern cup from the round of 16 onwards. Uh, so it's a 16-team uh, knockout. Argentina was paired with Sweden, and they took an early lead in both first and second half, uh, Sweden equalizing in both cases. 
At 2-2, Sweden scored at 79 to win, and Argentina was out. Uh, that was a 6,000-mile round trip just, for, uh, just to play one game. And it wasn't only them, but all four teams that came from outside of Europe. Uh, they also had complaints of Italy pilfering some of their best players who, had, who were playing for Italian clubs. On top of those grievances, FIFA broke their promise to alternate cups between Europe and the Americas when they declared France as the host of the 1938 World Cup. They withdrew in protest. This may have played into their withdrawal in 1950 and non-entry in 1954, but the reasons are actually unclear. Uh, it was a shame, though, because, as I've said, their strength in South American tournaments made it clear that they were among the best teams in the world. But they returned in 1958, uh, the tournament ironically in Europe for the, for the second time in a row, having been in uh, Switzerland in 1954 and Sweden in 1958. Uh, they scored just two minutes into their opening game with West Germany. However, they lost 1-3 um, in that game to West Germany and later were crushed 1-6 uh, by Czechoslovakia in the middle, earning a win over Northern Ireland. But a very disappointing um, a very disappointing World Cup for them, finishing last in the group stage. All right, I'll take a look at part two, which was 1962 to 74. So 1962 was in Chile, and again opened with an early goal at four minutes against Bulgaria. That turned to be the only goal, and that win promised a good tournament. However, they lost to England and tied Hungary to finish third in the group stage, tied on points with second place England, but behind on goal difference. Another disappointment as uh, the hope for advantage of the cup being in South America dissolved into failure. They did better in 1966, despite the cup being in Europe. They beat Spain in the opener and then tied West Germany. A win over Switzerland earned them second place behind West Germany on goal difference. This paired them with host England in the quarterfinal. There they had a man sent off at the 35th minute for dissent. The German referee did not speak Spanish, but based the decision on the look on his face, um, that of the Argentinian players. Uh, Argentina held on with 10 men until England scored the only goal of the game at 79 minutes. Argentina failed to qualify for the 1970 World Cup in Mexico, but reached the 1974 Cup in Germany. They lost to an informed Poland in their opener, uh, who they meet here, and tied Italy. However, a win over Haiti in the third game saw them finish tied on point for second place with Italy. This time, goal difference worked in their favor as they advanced, knocking out Italy, who had reached the finals of the previous cup. The format of a second uh, was a second group stage for this cup, but they performed poorly, losing 0-4 to the Netherlands, uh, who, although they were a weak team in the past, were taking this cup by storm. They also lost to Brazil and were out after two, their third game a meaningless draw with East Germany, who also had no chance of advancing. All right, great. Uh, well, just before we move on to part three, Connor, I want to make a correction on something I said for the 1930 World Cup. So uh, I had said uh, they lost in the semifinal to Uruguay. They actually lost in the final after beating USA 6-1 in the semifinal. So just in case we were going to get in trouble for that. Very good. 
All right. Well, part three of five uh, deals with 1978 to 1986. Um, so after a history of disappointment, hosting the Cup in 1978 offered them an opportunity. They faced Hungary in the opener and exchanged quick goals early on. They won on a goal at 83 and beat France by the same score, 2-1, to one, in the following game. They lost to Italy... Um, uh, they lost to Italy and uh, advanced in second to the group stage. Again, a second group stage was the format uh, this year, and they won their first game. Mario Kempis, is that a familiar name to you, Connor? Fortunately not, no. Oh, okay. Well, he was kind of their bigger star in the 1978 World Cup, and he scored both goals in that first game, a 2 nothing win. Uh, they tied Brazil scoreless in the second game and faced Peru in the third, and they needed to win by a four-goal margin to take first place over Brazil. Uh, a bit of suspicion surrounds the game, uh, particularly the Argentina-born Peruvian goalkeeper, as the defence, who had been proven strong to that point, uh, allowed six goals. Uh, regardless, they reached the final to meet Netherlands, continuing uh, their success, the Netherlands, with their total football system. Argentina scored at 38, but the Netherlands equalized at 82, and the game went to extra time, where Argentina scored twice. Uh, Mario Kempis, again the hero. Well, Spain 1982 is a disappointing follow-up to their first title. Uh, they lost to Belgium in the opener, but then beat Hungary and El Salvador to advance. In the three-team second round, though, they lost to both Italy and Brazil. Mario Kempis was 32 by this point and made little impact, but a young Diego Maradona, have you heard of him, Connor? Yeah, I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> well, uh, okay, I'll just continue on. <laughs> A young Diego Maradona made an impression with two goals, but perhaps made more of an impression with a red card for kicking a Brazilian player in anger. 1986 was in Mexico, and Argentina finished first in the group stage ahead of defending champions Italy, who they tied, uh, wins over South Korea and Bulgaria seeing them through. After a one nothing win over Uruguay in the round of 16, they went on to a famous quarterfinal match against England. It featured Diego Maradona at his best and at his worst. A devious header, which he couldn't quite reach, uh, so effectively punched it in, uh, uh, was their first goal. He later said the goal was scored with a bit of the head, um, a bit of the head, and uh, a bit with the hand. Oh, sorry, a bit of the. I'm going to just try that again. A bit with the head of Maradona and another bit with the hand of God. So it was called uh, after that, the hand of God goal. Uh, the second goal, just five minutes later, was a stunning run from his own half, weaving through the defense of England. And that one was dubbed the goal of the century. Oh, Are you yeah, familiar with definitely. those goals? Yeah. 
seen them time and time again on replays. Uh, Maradona also scored both goals in the following game, a 2-0 win over Belgium. That was in the semi-final. And though he didn't score any of their three goals in the final, Argentina went on to victory over West Germany, scoring the winner at 83 for their second title. All right. Um, I'll take us through part four, which is 1990 to 2002. So in 1990 in Italy, they suffered a shock loss to Cameroon in their opener, but beat USSR and tied Romania to finish third in the group stage. They advanced nevertheless and went on to reach the final, uh, beating uh, Brazil 1-0, Yugoslavia and Italy both in penalty shootouts, and again meeting West Germany in the final, which is considered one of the ugliest games ever seen in a World Cup. There were several questionable penalty decisions denying at least one clear penalty to each team. Argentina received two red cards, uh, one direct to red uh, in the game, uh, the first red cards uh, that were ever shown in a final. The penalty awarded to West Germany six minutes before the end of time was highly controversial, and the scene after the game was chaos. Um, I believe that game finished 3-2. Is that that correct? Uh, I'll check it while you continue on, and I'll answer you after 1994. Sure. So 1994, Argentina won their first two games uh, over Greece and Nigeria. Uh, Diego Maradona had uh, scored one of the goals against Greece, but was sent home after game two for testing positive for drugs. Naughty boy. Yeah. Argentina lost the third game to Bulgaria, uh, leading to a complicated table. Three teams tied with six points each. Nigeria went through first on goal difference, but Argentina and Bulgaria were tied on that count and on goals, both with uh, 6-4 and 3 against. Bulgaria advanced in second, having won the head-to-head match, but Argentina advanced in third place just as they had in 1990. They met an inform Romania in the round of 16 and lost 2-3. to three. All right. Well, getting back to that 1990 uh, final, the score was actually one nothing. so that final penalty to West Germany was the only goal of the game. Oh, there you go. Well, I'll pick it up then in 1998, which saw them win all group stage games over Japan, Jamaica, and Croatia. The first 10 minutes saw each side score a penalty um, in the uh, sorry, in the following round, uh, but England took the lead uh, for a second time with 19-year-old Michael Owen scoring on a great run at 16 minutes. Argentina equalized just before the halftime whistle. Uh, Early in the second half at 47 minutes, David Beckham got a red card for a petulant but fairly minor reaction uh, to a rough tackle on him. The 10 men of England held through, or held though, and no goals were scored in the second half or an extra time. Uh, Argentina won 4-3 on penalties, penalties, and England were famously criticized for not having practiced them. Uh, In a replay of the 1978 final, Argentina met Netherlands in the quarterfinals and fell on a late goal at 89 minutes. Uh, The 2002 World Cup was a disaster. Argentina won their opener against Nigeria, but lost to England and tied Sweden. Uh, No drama with England in the yawner of a game, uh, but a late equalizer um, against Switzerland, um, you know, did prove dramatic. It meant for Argentina another third place finish in the group stage, and this time it was not an advancing spot. All right, so 2002, a poor tournament. We move on to part five of five, uh, 2006 to 2014. So Germany 2006 was uh, better for them, 
uh, with winds over Ivory Coast as well as Serbia and Montenegro, uh, followed by a goalless draw with the Netherlands. That another game set up with much historical drama that turned out to be a pretty dull affair. Uh, anyway, they finished first place in the group stage and they met Mexico in the round of 16. And in one of the best goals of the cup, uh, Maxi Rodriguez scored a beautiful extra time winner, chest trapping and lobbing in a goal from the outside of the box. Do you remember that one? I do, yeah. I remember that World Cup. Yeah. Anyway, things look good against Germany in the quarterfinals when the hosts uh, seemed unable to find an equalizer. But Germany did score at 80 and the match eventually went to penalties where Argentina lost on penalties. So uh, the game ended with uh, another scuffle with Germany, but um, the home team won uh, and knocked them out. Okay, on to South Africa 2010, and they were grouped with Nigeria and Greece, as they had been in 1994. They once again beat them both, as well as South Korea, for a comfortable first-place finish. They met Mexico once again in the round of 16, uh, and they won that game. But once again, they fell to Germany in the quarterfinal, thrashed uh, 0-4 this time. Brazil 2014 saw them winning all games all the way to the final. They met Nigeria for the fourth time at the group stage and Lionel Messi turned on the magic for an injury time winner against Iran. The other team they beat was Bosnia-Herzegovina. The round of 16 went scoreless with Switzerland and seemed headed for penalties until Argentina scored at 118 minutes. Wow. Switzerland yeah, and Switzerland hit the post in their desperate search for an equalizer. So a great ending to the game there. But they got through and after a one nothing win over Belgium, they faced Netherlands. Again, the promising matchup went scoreless and Argentina won on penalties to face Germany in the final for a record third time, having exchanged wins in 1986 and 1990. That too went scoreless in regulation time, uh, but Germany won on one of the loveliest goals in World Cup history uh, in extra time. Yeah, Mario Goza. Yes, that is right. Uh, a lovely cross and a nice finish. Okay, well, that brings the, the, an end to their detailed history, but now we're going to look at their recent history and take a look at the World Cup 2018 tournament. So yeah, Argentina had a drama-filled qualification, uh, which included political and organizational problems within their FA, or Football Association, uh, which caused star Lionel Messi to quit the team temporarily in frustration. Um, it started poorly with a shock, uh, shock loss at home to Ecuador um, and continued. Argentina went winless in their first three games, plunging them into ninth spot. Uh, four wins in a row, however, saw them in first place by Game 7. A poor road run, winless in five, saw them in sixth up to the last game. Um, and it was a crucial road win in Ecuador in the final game uh, where Messi scored a hat-trick and all three goals that saw them through. Uh, that moved them up to uh, the third place in an automatic qualifying spot. Uh, drama continued into the uh, World Cup itself with a draw against Iceland in their opener then a humiliating 0-3 defeat at the hands of Croatia. 
However, a late winner, um, a desperate winner at the 86th minute against Nigeria saw them through, uh, finishing second in the group stage. However, they lost to eventual, eventual champions for France in a thrilling round of 16 game where they led shortly after halftime uh, 3-1, but suffered three goals uh, that ended their uh, troubled tournament um, and losing that game 4-3. Right, and uh, that game also, I think, had the goal of the tournament uh, by Benjamin Pavard. I can't uh, bring that that goal to mind, though, even though it was fairly recently. Do you remember it? Yeah, it was a, a kind of a sweet strike of a bouncing ball that just bent into the far corner. Lovely goal. Nice. Okay, well, uh, the round of 16 there for Argentina, probably a bit of a disappointment there in uh, 2018. Let's move on to see how they did in World Cup 2022 qualifying. So Argentina had a very strong qualification going undefeated. Uh, they nevertheless finished second in the large qualifying group, uh, five points behind Brazil. Um, the only team they tied twice was Paraguay. Wow. Um, the qualification round is actually not over. Uh, Brazil and Argentina still have to play their uh, their game in Brazil, uh, which is kind of comical because they're both already in the tournament. And it would have yeah. no impact on the standings. Well, even more comical is, is why it happened. Yeah, so that game started, but a few minutes in, it was brought to a close um, by Brazilian health officials um, who said that some of the Argentinians uh, violated COVID protocols. Um, so the game was uh, suspended barely after it began. Yeah, I was expecting a phone call from the Brazilian FA asking me not to tell this story, but I'm just going to ignore it and go ahead. All right. Okay, yes, I, I have an image of those Brazilian health uh, officials storming onto the field. Apparently it was the players uh, who were playing, who had traveled over from England that were the ones who had violated the protocols. That's right. Uh, okay, let's move on then to uh, an overview of their Copa America history. That tournament's more than 100 years old, so we're certainly not going to go through every, every edition. Uh, strangely, um, the mid-70s to the mid-80s was... Um, that's when they won their, their two World Cups, but it was a, a, one, their weakest period uh, in the Copa America history. Um, they were knocked out of the group stage for three cups in a row from 1975 to 1983. And uh, actually after 1959, uh, they didn't reach the final again until 1991, uh, at which point they won two, uh, two Copa Americas in a row. However, they had not won uh, Copa America since 1993, which increasingly grated on their nerves, especially because they wanted to uh, justify uh, uh, Lionel Messi's, uh, you know, role on the team in the last uh, 10 years. And uh, they were very frustrated not reaching it. Uh, it took until 2004 even just to reach the final again. But then they suffered four second-place finishes over the next five Cups as they furiously tried to get Messi a title. Uh, the only final they didn't reach was in 2011, ironically, when their hopes were highest because they were tournament hopes. Um, but uh, we'll see over the next, over the most recent two Cups whether they were finally able to get a title for Messi. So for the 2019 Copa America, Argentina struggled throughout. Uh, losing to Colombia and tying Paraguay 
before beating Qatar to finish second in the group stage. Uh, they looked unified against Venezuela in the quarterfinal, but lost to host Brazil in the semis. They took third place with a win over Chile, uh, where the legendary Messi took a coincidental red card in a shoving match uh, with Chilean captain Gary Medell. Gary Medell, he's very special to us, right, Connor? Yeah, former Cardiff City player. That's right. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, move on to 2021 and see if they finally got a title for Messi. So this tournament started with the draw against Chile, um, but they won over Uruguay, Paraguay, and Bolivia uh, to finish first in a new new look five-team group stage. Uh, they then beat Ecuador uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, Ecuador actually played very well, but were uh, a no match for a, a well-performing Argentina where uh, Lionel Messi was in top form. Um, in the semifinals, they met Colombia, um, who they beat on penalties to reach the final, where they finally won by a single goal over host Brazil, earning their first title since 1993 uh, and a much-wanted title to mark the, uh, the era of Lionel Messi, uh, who actually performed well uh, throughout this tournament. All right. Well, I think that is going to be significant in our discussion um, of Argentina's chances in this cup later on. But uh, we will save that discussion till the end and move on to look at their recent and upcoming games. And uh, uh, usually you handle this, but I'll just begin by asking whether you know what this Comnibol UEFA Finalissimo is, Connor. Yeah, I uh, I did hear about it, but do you want to explain it or do you want me to? No, if you know, you go ahead. So this was um, a match uh, played at Wembley Stadium in London between the, the winners of the most recent uh, European Championship and uh, Copa America. So that was Argentina and Italy. Um, and that match was won by Argentina 3-0. Uh, so very convincing. Um, so yeah, I'm not, this might be a one-off. I think it was the first time it was held. But yeah, I've never a, heard of it before. I was really kind of taken by surprise. Yeah, a, a glorified friendly, uh, I believe is how you do Yeah, it. yeah, a friendly that probably makes a lot of money because... Uh, I think, you know, the top players did play in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, even though it didn't take place in either of those countries. Um, and then, yeah, since then, they've really had one other friendly. Um, that was le against a less illustrious uh, opposition. They beat Estonia 5-0. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd friendly, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, coming up, they do, uh, they do have to play that World Cup qualifier. Uh, with Brazil, but it doesn't mean much. I mean, uh, uh, they can't even overtake Brazil, so they've locked first and second place, but they have to play it to to have it played. Uh, otherwise, they don't have any games lined up, uh, although uh, I guess maybe in our update in uh, October, maybe, maybe they will have a few games lined up by then. Yeah, and then in terms of their schedule at the World Cup, Argentina open against Saudi Arabia, and then play Mexico and finish with Poland. All right. Well, we'll talk at the end uh, if we feel there's any significance in the order of games there. But it's time to move on to Mexico. Uh, any guess when their first game would have been? I bet it's probably around the same time as Argentina, turn of the century. Yeah, I actually th I think it was mostly um, English people bringing the game uh, around the world uh, maybe they you know there's a bigger population of english people uh, in argentina than in 
than in Central America, but they were about 20 years later in 1923. Nevertheless, uh, they are a senior team in the world, uh, having participated uh, in that 1930 World Cup and in every World Cup since, uh, except for two uh, in 1938 when they withdrew and in 1990 when they were disqualified. Uh, the regional tournament, including Central and North American teams, uh, as well as Caribbean teams, was known as the CONCACAF Championship from 1963 to 1989. And from 1974, it acted as the qualifying tournament for the World Cups until 1990. So they participated in that from the beginning. However, they didn't enter in 1985. Uh, that was because they were hosting the World Cup in 1986, and they were banned from the CONCACAF Championship in 1989. Uh, their regional tournament became the Gold Cup in 1991, and they have never failed to participate in that. Uh, we won't look at their Copa America and Confederation Cup histories in this podcast. Um, they played quite a few games or tournaments of the Copa America, but they're not allowed to anymore. Uh, but it can be reviewed in the podcast that we did for the 2021 Gold Cup. Uh, reaching the final is no great achievement for Eltree. Um, apart from their withdrawal in 1938 and the disqualification in 1990, uh, they failed to qualify only uh, three times. This was in 1934, 1974, and 1982. Their best finish in the Cup is the quarterfinals both times they hosted in 1970 and in 1986. In regional competition, they failed to pass uh, the group stage when the tournament was not a round robin uh, in 1963, but when it was a round robin, which was for most of the tournaments until 1989, their worst finish was fourth. Uh, meanwhile, they've won the regional title 11 times and four of the last seven uh, editions of the Gold Cup since 2009. All right. Well, I'm going to pose a little puzzle for you here, Connor. Uh, you said that they hosted twice in 1970 and 1986. And uh, I think it's just two other countries that have hosted twice. And uh, shall I ask you at the end of the World Cup review? I, I can take my guesses now if you want. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to I was going to give our listeners time to think about it. So okay, I pose it to me again. I will think about it <laughs> if I remember. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the World Cup overview. And uh, Mexico regularly qualifies for the World Cup, as uh, Connor pointed out. Uh, as mentioned above also, they were disqualified in 1990, uh, the reason being that they fielded over-aged players for a youth tournament, actually forging birth certificates of certain players. Uh, in the early years, they were invariably knocked out at the group stage of the World Cup. Uh, they reached the quarterfinal in 1970 and then again in 1986, aided by being the host in both cases. Uh, well, I might as well ask you now then, Connor. Um, I think it is France and Brazil. Oh, my God. I was thinking Germany and Italy. <laughs> so it looks like there are five countries that have hosted uh, oh. twice. All right. Well, I'll check our stats while you uh, carry on. Oh, okay. 
All right. Well, uh, in between that, in between 1970 and 86, they had their worst spell, failing to qualify twice and getting knocked out at the group stage uh, in 1986. Sorry, in 1978. And then after being disqualified in 1990, uh, they both reached and um, have been stopped. They both reached and have been stopped at the round of 16. Uh, and that's been the case every cup since 1994. Uh, now that it's seven cups in a row, it, it's actually becoming a, a note of comedy. All right, moving on to the World Cup finals in detail. So we've divided uh, Mexico into four parts. And the first part is the early years, 1930 to 1958. So uh, Uruguay saw the cup closer to home for Mexico uh, compared to most non-South American teams, uh, but it didn't offer them an advantage. They lost to France 1-4, to Chile 0-3, and to Argentina 3-6, scored on uh, in each game first before the 20th minute. The goal scored by France at 19 actually was the first ever goal scored in World Cup history. Uh, in 1930, uh, Italy, 19, sorry, 1934 Italy World Cup, uh, they were poorly treated. They won the qualification round over Cuba and then traveled to France by boat to France, only to find that USA's late entry had been accepted and they were required to play a playoff qualification game against USA in Rome. They lost that game and found themselves out of the World Cup that they had uh, qualified for and that they had taken the trouble to travel to. Uh, so perhaps it was for that reason, uh, in anger over that, that they withdrew in 1938. 1950 saw them uh, again losing all three games in the group stage. Brazil, Yugoslavia and Switzerland all finished ahead. They scored two goals, both at 89 in games that were already lost. Uh, it was not dissimilar in 1954 Switzerland. Uh, that tournament had an odd group stage. Uh, it was a group of four, but uh, teams only played two of the other teams. In Mexico's case, they suffered a 0-5 loss to Brazil, and in their most competitive game yet, a 2-3 loss to France. Uh, there, they equalized at 85 to make the score 2-2. But on the verge of getting their first World Cup point, France was awarded a penalty at 88 and beat them. The Cup was in Sweden in 1958, and they lost to the host 0-3 in their opener. But in the next game, their 10th World Cup game, they earned a draw against Wales for their first World Cup point. But after that, they lost 0-4 to Hungary and finished last in the group stage. 1962 Chile was a bit better and certainly more competitive. They lost 0-2 to Brazil in their opener, but they held Spain scoreless until losing on a goal at 90. It looked grim when Czechoslovakia scored on them a minute into the third game, but they came back with goals at 12 minutes and 29 minutes and made it 3-1 with a penalty at 90 for their first World Cup win. However, they finished a point behind Czechoslovakia in the group in third place and didn't advance. 1966 uh, in England saw Mexico draw twice uh, with France and Uruguay 
In between, they lost a zero to two to host England uh, for another third place finish in the group stage. In 1970, Mexico hosted and went undefeated through the group stage. It was a scoreless draw with the USSR, a big 4-0 win over El Salvador, and a 1-0 win over Belgium. The quarterfinal quarter looked promising when they scored at 13 minutes to take a lead over Italy. However, they scored an, uh, um, an own goal um, after that. It remained tied until the 63rd minute when Italy scored their first of three quick goals, and by 76 minutes, it was all over, a 1-4 loss. Mexico failed to qualify for Germany in 1974, but returned to Argentina in 1978. There, they lost all group stage games in a poor showing, uh, won three losses to Tunisia and Poland, sandwiched by a uh, 0-6 loss to West Germany. They failed to qualify again in 1982, uh, but hosted the Cup in 1986, taking over the duties when Colombia proved incapable. They beat Belgium 2-1 in the opener, um, but tied Paraguay in Game 2. A 1-0 win over Iraq secured first place in the group. They had little trouble with a 2-0 win over Bulgaria in the round of 16 and faced West Germany once again in the quarterfinals. They kept that scoreless through to a penalty shootout, which they lost 1-4, scoring the first penalty but missing the next two. All right. Well, that moves us on to part three of four, which covers 1990 to 2002. So uh, 1990 actually saw them disqualified for the reasons that we talked about above. And 1994 took place in next door USA. They lost to Norway in their opener, losing on the only goal of the game at 85. But they came back to beat Ireland and then did well to tie Italy. All four games, uh, sorry, all four teams finished tied on points and on goal difference, but Mexico took first on the basis of most goals scored. They went on to face Bulgaria, who they had managed easily in 1986, but this was a special generation for Bulgaria featuring Christo Stoichkov, and the game finished 1-1. It went to penalties and both teams missed their first shots. But Mexico went on to miss their first three, and they were out in the round of 16, which would become a very familiar exit gate for them. In 1998 France, they went undefeated through the group stage, beating South Korea and tying Belgium and the Netherlands, but they lost to Germany in the round of 16. They were stationed in Japan for the 2002 South Korea-Japan World Cup, where they once again went undefeated, uh, finishing convincingly in first with wins over Croatia, then Ecuador, and once again a third group stage tie with Italy. They traveled to South Korea for their round of 16 matchup with the USA, and though they fully deserved a win, they lost 0-2 to their local rivals. On to part four of four, Connor. All right, so that begins in 2006 in Germany, uh, where Mexico started with the win over Iran, uh, who played well, uh, but became defensive towards the end, uh, Mexico taking advantage uh, with goals at 76 and 79. Angola was likely a game they expected to win, but it ended in a goalless draw. They lost to Portugal in the third, all goals scored by 29 minutes, and Mexico seemingly lacking the desire to win. However, both those teams went through, Mexico in second, and they met Argentina in the round of 16. That turned out to be arguably the best game of the cup, 
starting with early goals for both teams, but then going to extra time where Argentina won on one of the nicest goals of the cup, uh, which we talked about. Uh, 2010 in South Africa saw them with a 1-1-1 and record, tying host South Africa in the opening game of the tournament, beating a disappointing France, and losing to Uruguay, um, who they finished in second place behind. This round of 16 loss uh, was again, again to Argentina, whose first goal came on a play that was clearly offside. Upset with the call, Mexico gave up a goal on a poor defensive mistake seven minutes later, all but ending the game. 2014 saw Mexico uh, finishing second to Brazil in the group stage, who they tied, and then beating Cameroon and Croatia. Both wins featured harsh decisions against them. Two valid goals disallowed against Cameroon and two valid penalty shouts not given against Croatia, but they won both. Goalkeeper Guillermo Ochoa gave one of the outstanding goalkeeping performances of the Cup in their nil-nil draw with host Brazil. They were also hard done by in the round of 16 game with Netherlands. They were leading at 88 minutes, but gave up a late equalizer. In extra time, Netherlands was awarded a penalty on a clear dive. Dutch player Arjen Robin later even admitting to it, uh, and Mexico were out at the round Ooh, of 16. Do you remember again. that one? I was infuriated. Are you still infuriated? I, I think I'm still feeling it. I, I'm traumatized and haven't recovered. Yeah, um, I do remember that. And I remember your reaction to it as well. But it was unfair. <laughs> Sounds like you were traumatized by my reaction. <laughs> Let's move on to the World Cup uh, 2018, where we'll also look at uh, their qualifying. All right. So um, in qualifying for the 2018 World Cup in Russia, uh, Mexico is one of the top six ranked teams in CONCACAF to get a bye straight through to the round four or five group stage. Uh, they comfortably won that group, uh, winning all games except for a tie uh, at home to Honduras. But um, El Salvador and Canada were the two other teams that didn't advance. Um, Ouch. Yeah. In the hex, um, Mexico similarly cruised the top spot suffering only a home draw with USA and away ties in Panama and Costa Rica uh, until the last game where they again gave up points to Honduras again. Uh, that was their only loss, but resulted in Honduras advancing at the expense of USA, uh, who were shocked out of the cup. They started hot in the tournament, beating a poorly performing Germany and then South Korea, uh, but came close to not advancing when they lost heavily to Sweden. South Korea's win over Germany, giving them second place uh, in the group stage. All right, uh, and uh, it carries on, I think. Yeah, so their tournament uh, ended in the next round when they were foiled, as they so often are, by both Brazil, uh, who beat them 2-0, and the round of 16. <laughs> foiled by the round of 16. I wonder what will happen this cup. Okay, let's move on to 2022 qualifying. All right, so uh, they were one of five teams to questionably receive a bye to the final round of qualification um, in a system that was blatantly unfair before COVID caused some changes to improve it somewhat um, when it was expanded from 16, a 16 hex to eight teams. Um, they were bested by Canada. Um, we were at that game in Edmonton. <laughs> Yay! Uh, Sub-zero temperatures where Canada won. Well, why not have it in the north or up here? 
Yeah, freeze the Mexicans. At, well, they froze <laughs> the Canadians too, to be fair. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, uh, Mexico uh, finished behind Canada, but we're second uh, of eight in the round of uh, in the final round of qualifying. They were also bested by the USA, uh, but their better consistency um, against the other teams in the group, uh, suffering only a tie in Panama and a home tie with Costa Rica, saw them leapfrog USA in their last game. Right. Okay. Well, uh, good for Canada there. That's one we'll remember for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, both uh, Mexico and Canada in the cup. Uh, let's take a shorter look at the CONCACAF uh, Championship uh, Gold Cup history. So we'll just be doing an overview uh, for that one. So Mexico has always been a power in the regional cup from its start in 1963. Uh, though always near the top, they didn't win the region as much as one would expect, having done so only three and 11 times up until 1991. Costa Rica also had three regional titles, but was never really a rival, uh, having never reached the World Cup, never beaten Mexico out for the World Cup. Uh, In fact, there really was no main rival until that time. Uh, But in 1990, the USA became a force, winning the first Gold Cup in 1991. Uh, That's when the title uh, of the Cup was changed from the CONCACAF Championship to the Gold Cup. So both uh, the Mexico and USA have since ruled the region, winning every Gold Cup between them, except for 2000, where uh, somebody else won, but uh, it's kind of, can you help me out here? That was Canada's title. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, 2000, uh, when Canada kind of interrupted uh, that, um, that uh, uh Canada won. Uh, but even in the 1990s, the dominant uh, Mexico dominated with three straight titles from 1993 to 1998. Since, thousand, uh, since 2002, the title has pendulumed back regularly back and forth between the two with almost clockwork regularity. That's right. Yeah. Mexico and U.S. exchanging wins. That's right. And right now... Um, Uh, Well, we'll see uh, who holds the title. Uh, We're going to cover two of the recent tournaments here, beginning with the 2019 Gold Cup. So although several top players did not participate, uh, Mexico won all games to earn their eighth title. Uh, They beat Cuba, Canada, and Martinique to finish first in the group stage, um, but then required penalties uh, to pass Costa Rica in the quarterfinal. Um, Mexico also beat uh, Haiti in extra time. Uh, Haiti was a real surprise of that tournament. Um, they beat Haiti in the semifinals. Um, and then in the final, uh, Mexico met and beat host USA. Uh, Mexico deservedly won the final um, on a single goal in the 73rd minute, though they were actually more dominant than that score suggests. Yeah, that quarterfinal with, uh, with uh, Costa Rica was, was probably the best game of the cup. Um, with shots off the woodwork and questionable penalty decision and a great save in extra time. And uh, uh, it went to penalties as well. So <laughs> couldn't ask for more than that. Great. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, 2021. All right, so Mexico won um, all four games over Panama and Bermuda in the 2019-20 CONCACAF Nations League uh, to finish atop that group and qualify them for the Cup. 
Uh, but the tournament got off to a poor start with a goalless draw against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, but they then beat Guatemala convincingly and El Salvador less so to finish first in the qualifying group. They easily beat a Honduras team ravaged by injuries and COVID dropouts, but struggled with Canada, um, requiring a goal deep into injury time to beat them. Oof. Yeah. Um, in the final, uh, Mexico failed to capitalize uh, on their early dominance against the United States, um, and the game seemed a stalemate at nil-nil, destined to go to penalties until the USA snatched the win and the title on a late goal themselves, uh, this goal coming at the 117th minute. Great. Well, one of the things uh, um, I'm thinking is that it's good finally to have a qualification for uh, you know, Mexico, Canada, and USA for this cup. It seems unfair, as much as I hate to say it, but kind of unfair that Canada got a buy into the cup, whereas uh, the Central American and Caribbean teams uh, had to go through a, a qualification process. Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the Nations League will be good for the region overall. Yeah, and good for Canada, because frankly, even though we did get a buy into the Gold Cup, we didn't get... The, the practice games that uh, yeah. we really needed. All right. Well, that, uh, um, no, wait, uh, there has been some qualification games for the uh, 2023 Gold Cup, just a couple, but uh, do you want to talk about them? Yeah, these are Nations League game. It's a three-team group. Uh, Mexico is paired with Suriname and Jamaica. Uh, they beat Suriname, but then tied in Jamaica. Um, so they have two games left to play. Um, but I believe the top two qualify, so they're really in no danger of not uh, qualifying for the goal. Yeah, uh, in League A, I think uh, you're right. I think the top two qualify and the third one goes to a playoff. But uh, basically, we're kind of looking at them uh, the way we're looking at their friendlies here, uh, just kind of recent games that they've played. And uh, they played uh, those games along with some friendlies. Uh, do you want to tell us how they've done? Yeah, they had a host of friendlies from April till June of this year, um, all played at home. Um, kind of some middling results. They tied Guatemala and Ecuador, both nil-nil, uh, beat Nigeria, but then lost heavily 3-0 uh, to Uruguay. Um, then they've had those two Nations League games, um, which also saw a draw in Mexico. So, um, yeah, probably not tip-top form, um, but they'll have uh, some more friendlies uh, lined up before the World Cup starts. Well, it's very interesting to see that all of those friendlies you talked about are in Mexico, and all of the friendlies that they've lined up uh, so far are also in Mexico. Do you think it's wise to have all of their their uh, pre-tournament games at home? I think probably good to uh, to mix it up, to play in some different regions. I mean, especially for a cup that's taking place in the unfamiliar unfamiliar territory of Qatar. Yeah, yeah, I kind of worry about uh, that. But um, how about their World Cup schedule? What does it look like? So Mexico will play Poland first. So that's the pot two and pot three teams meeting. Uh, then they play Argentina in their second game and finish against Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, all right, well, on we go to Poland. And we'll begin with a, a look at their participation and achievements. Uh, is it bothering you that I'm asking you to guess when they played their first game? Well, I haven't been successful so far. Um, so maybe you can give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Um, it is 1921. 
Uh, Poland participated in the 1938 World Cup, but then withdrew, uh, joining again in 1958 and participating consistently since then. Uh, they've entered every Euro Cup since its beginning in 1960. Well, Poland had a strong period in the World Cup from the mid-70s to early 80s, finishing third in both 1974 and 1982. I actually didn't realize that, but that's quite impressive. Yeah. Um, this uh, is reflected in Euro Cups um, only by almost qualifying for the finals. Um, they otherwise had a minor peak in the first decade of the millennium, uh, but since then, and arguably even during that period, they've been a little bit unimpressive. Uh, they seem to be in the midst of a third peak now, uh, but unlike their strength in the 70s, um, this and the peak around 2000 are defined by more consistent qualifications rather than by impressive tournament results. All right. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be looking at the World Cup history, so that'll shed some light for you. And uh, we'll move on to a kind of an overview uh, of the World Cup before we get into the details of the finals. They uh, withdrew, uh, as we said, from the World Cup in 1934. Uh, sorry, I think I said above that it was 38, but it was 1934. And they did participate in 1938, where they lost their single game. We described that round of 16 knockout format. Uh, they lost their single game. Uh, it was a famous loss to Brazil uh, in a game uh, where Poland scored late to equalize at 4-4, in which Brazil won 6-5 in extra time. After that, they failed to qualify until 1978. No, sorry, until 1974. Uh, and as Connor said, 1974 began a strong period where they reached four cups in a row, not only passing the group stage every time, but going undefeated for the first 11 of their 12 group stage games. They advanced every time and, as Connor said, finished uh, twice in third place in 1974 and 1980. Two. So we've divided uh, their World Cup Finals history into three parts, and part one deals with the pre-war era. So um, a bit of a closer look at what I just said there. After withdrawing from the 1934 World Cup during qualification, they successfully reached the 1938 World Cup in France. And as mentioned, the structure of the Cup was basically uh, the current format from the round of 16 onwards. Uh, so they lost in their first game to Brazil and they were out, but uh, it was a spectacular game and I, I, I'll go into a bit more detail here. Uh, Brazil went into halftime 3-1 up, but Poland's Ernest Wilamowski uh, scored at 52 and, 50 and 59 to equalize. And then after Brazil regained the lead at 71, uh, Wilamowski made it a hat-trick with a tying goal at 89 to send the 4-4 game into extra time. There, Brazil's famous Leonidas scored the second goal of his hat-trick at 93 uh, to once again regain the lead, and then he completed the hat-trick with a goal at 104. Uh, Wilamowski actually scored his fourth goal at 118. He became the first player to score four goals in a game. But it was not enough for Poland, and they were out losing 5-6 in extra time. So part, part two, two. Sorry. Yeah, this covers Poland's strong period. So it took uh, until 1974 in Germany to reach the cup again. 
Uh, it was an impressive start with goals just seven and eight, uh, with goals just seven and eight minutes in for a win over Argentina, a seven nothing demolition of Haiti, and a two one win over previous cup finalist Italy. That brought them to a second group stage where they won over uh, uh, over Sweden. Um, a loss to Germany in the third game saw uh, West Germany win the group and advance to the final. Um, second place meant uh, a third place match for Poland who faced Brazil uh, and they won uh, for a third place finish. In 1978, uh, Poland started with a match against West Germany, which went scoreless. However, they beat Tunisia and Mexico to finish first in the group. In the second group stage, they faced all South American teams losing to host Argentina and to Brazil, but winning over Peru to finish third ahead of them. Spain 1982 uh, saw Poland undefeated in the group stage for the third cup in a row. Bolas draws with Italy and Cameroon were followed with a 5-1 win over Peru. That game went scoreless until 55 minutes when Poland started a 21-minute bombardment of five goals by five different players. Again, it advanced them to the second group stage, though this time it was a three-team group. Poland's big new Boniek scored a hat-trick in their 2-0 win over Belgium, uh, 3-0 win over Belgium, and it was a scoreless draw with the USSR to finish first in the group, which brought them to a semi-final. There they lost to Italy, but beat France uh, with another uh, bombardment of goals at 40-44 and immediately after the halftime break at 46 uh, to win 3-2. Um, so it's, that saw them finish in third place uh, in that uh, World Cup. In 1986, they uh, would see the embers of their strong period. After a scoreless tie with Morocco and a 1-0 win over Portugal, they lost their first ever group stage match to England by a score of 0-3. They went on to the round of 16 where they lost 0-4 to Brazil. And it would be 16 years before Poland reached the cup again. Right. Well, what do you think uh, about their strong period, Connor? Very impressed. I, I actually didn't realize that they were such a strong nation at that time, um, you know, including in the days of the mighty Netherlands and, and Argentina and Germany. So, uh, yeah, two third place finishes is very impressive. Yeah. And uh, that 11 out of 12 wins in the group stages uh, is pretty impressive. Actually, I gotta say that the uh, name Boniak does uh, kind of stick in my head, and I think he became uh, kind of a favorite of the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to part three of three, and that just covers 2002 to, well, we'll say 2014. Um, um, so in 2002, uh, the cup was in South Korea and Japan, and they were stationed in South Korea. Uh, and their first game was with the host, so um, possibly the first game of the tournament there, I'd have to check. Usually the host plays the first game. Anyway, they lost 0-4 to Portugal in the... In the uh, yeah, so they lost to South Korea, just in case I didn't make that clear. And they lost 0-4 to Portugal in the second game, uh, so they were out. But they famously promised the host advancement by beating USA in the third game. Uh, this they did, although South Korea actually didn't need the help because they beat Portugal in their third game to secure their own passage. Uh, Poland reached the World Cup again in 2006, so a bit of a strong period here, uh, but it was the same result. Two opening losses and out before the third game was played. In this case, they lost to Ecuador and uh, tournament host Germany. 
and they beat Costa Rica in a meaningless third game since neither of them could advance. Now, they didn't reach the Cup in 2010 and 2014, so that ends their kind of uh, uh, deep history, but we'll move on to the recent history, and Connor will tell us about their World Cup 2018 campaign. Yeah, so Poland came into qualifying as the third seed in the in the qualifying group, despite having done far better than top seed Romania and also Denmark in Euro 2016. Um, Poland then proved superior, winning all games um, except for lapses in an opening draw in Kazakhstan and a surprising 0-4 uh, to four loss to Denmark. Um, they won all their games against Montenegro and Armenia to finish first in the group. Okay. Um, Poland's actually, Poland's Robert Lewandowski scored three hat-tricks in qualifying wow. and ended with 16 of Poland's 28 goals. Uh, Poland went into the World Cup with high hopes as they were the top-seeded team in their group, but they were out after two games, losing to Senegal and Colombia, um, their listless play even continuing um, against Japan in the third match. Um, they won that, but nevertheless finished last in the group. So that actually repeats a pattern for them of two losses and a win and failing to advance in the group stage. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, that's uh, 2018. So at least they made that World Cup and uh, they also made this one. Let's see how they did it um, uh, in their qualifying campaign. So um, Poland were grouped with England. Um, they were bested by England. Um, um, sorry, uh, England actually scored a, a late goal for a home win over Poland, but then Poland scored a, a stoppage time um, equalizer for a draw at home. Um, so, uh, yeah, Poland were, were also bested by fourth place Hungary, um, but they finished second in the group stage due to consistency over Albania, Andorra and San Marino, uh, winning all games against them. Uh, so second place in the group stage brought them to a regional playoff where they received a bye um, in the semifinals since they were due to meet Russia, uh, who were disqualified for their invasion of Ukraine. They then met Sweden in the playoff final, uh, whom they beat 2-0 uh, to advance to the World Cup. Okay. Um, that is the World Cup. We'll take a quick look at the, the Euro Cup here with an overview. So it's actually amazing that they failed to reach the uh, Euro Cup during that strong period in the 1970s and early 80s. Uh, three times in a row they came close to qualifying, including finishing tied with Lee, uh, uh, finishing tied um, with uh, Netherlands in 1976, and then they finished one point behind Netherlands in uh, 1980. Um, and they were kind of unlucky during that period to have been grouped with the Dutch, who were also enjoying uh, their period, uh, their best period of, of World Cup soccer. Um, they also failed to qualify in the early 2000s, despite reaching the World Cup twice in a row. So it took until 2008 for them to qualify for their first World Cup, uh, sorry, for their first Euro Cup. But it did start a period of consistent qualification. Only in nineteen uh, in twenty sixteen, though, did they actually pass the group stage of a cup, and the quarterfinals there proved their best result in Euro Cup history. So, um, a bit of a grim Euro Cup history there, Connor. Yeah, very stark contrast to the World Cup. 
Yeah, it really is. Okay, well, let's see if they could improve on that history in their Euro Cup 2020 campaign. So in terms of qualification, Poland had a commanding first place finish in a relatively easy qualifying group. Um, they dropped points in consecutive games in the middle of the campaign, uh, losing in fourth place Slovenia and tying it home to second place Austria. But they nevertheless uh, were six points better off than Austria for first place. Uh, Macedonia, Israel, and Latvia were the other teams uh, whom Poland beat twice each. Uh, in the tournament, um, they lost to Slovakia in their opener, but tied Spain. They almost tied Sweden in their last game, uh, coming back from two goals down. But even a tie would not have been enough. Um, and they suffered a last-minute goal, as it was, to cap a humiliating tournament. Uh, last place in the group stage, um, and only a single point uh, for a team that had come in as a second seed in the group. Hmm. Yeah, so their bad fortune in the uh, Euro Cup uh, continues. Uh, well, let's take a look at how they've been doing uh, in uh, their recent games. They are playing uh, UEFA Nations League games in June, and that'll continue into September, so maybe we should start with those. Yeah, I mean, there's not, not many other games because of their playoffs, just a friendly with Scotland. But in their Nations League, they're in Group A. Uh, they open with a 2-1 win over Wales, uh, then lost heavily to Belgium, 1-6, uh, tied the Netherlands, and then lost at home to Belgium. So they have um, a win, a draw, and two losses, um, you know, beating Wales, but not particularly competitive with, uh, you know, with the other teams in the group so far. Right, and uh, as you said, uh, uh, as we've talked about, their qualifying playoff came with uh, Russia was uh, cancelled and they were given a win. Uh, they replaced that with a with a game in Scotland, which they tied 1-1, and then they went on to uh, play their qualifying game. So um, I don't have any uh, games scheduled. Uh, there are no games scheduled is what I mean. Um, I guess teams teams may schedule games, so we'll update that in our October podcast. But as of now, uh, they just have two Nations League games in September. And, um, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. No other friendlies. And then right. in terms of their World Cup schedule, uh, they start things off with Mexico, then play Saudi Arabia and have Argentina in their last game. Okay. Well, that's Poland, and our last team uh, is Saudi Arabia, so we'll start off with a look at their participation and achievements. And, uh, um, sorry, Connor, I'm going to put you on the spot. When was Saudi Arabia's first game? I'm trying to think when the English got there, because I think that is the, the tale. I'm going to say around the Second World War. Yeah, no, this is a bit of a shocker. It's uh, actually in 1957. Oh. Yeah, uh, I was very surprised by that. Uh, they are latecomers to world soccer, uh, participating only from 1978 in the World Cup, uh, although they did enter regularly after that. They were not a member of the AFC, that's the Asian Football Confederation, uh, for the Asian Cups from 1956 to 1972. They qualified for the 1976 version, but then withdrew, uh, along with Thailand and North Korea, who had also qualified, uh, for reasons unknown, um, but perhaps it has something to do with uh, Iran hosting the tournament. Uh, they also withdrew along with several other countries from Kuwait 1980. 
so a bit of a patchy uh, history uh, in terms of participation, but let's see how they've done in terms of achievement. So in terms of achievement, it is best to begin with the Asian Cup. They were dominant in Asia from their first completed entry in 1984. They won three of, the of their first four cups and were in the final for six of the first seven uh, up until 2000. From that time, their best result was second place in 2007. That strength was not reflected in World Cup play until 1994 when they qualified for their first World Cup and reached the round of 16. Though they've reached this cup several times since, that remains their best result on the world stage. That's right. Just uh, uh, Well, I actually, uh, did you know they had passed the World Cup group stage? I did, actually. Oh, did you? Well, I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. <laughs> That's where I was going with it. Yeah, well, I, I know partly because of my, my preparation uh, for this and, and just kind of there looking at them from the last World Cup as well. But um, yeah, still a bit of a surprise. I, I wouldn't have uh, perhaps known had I not taken a bit of a look at them. Yeah. Okay, well, we will take a, a look at their World Cup history, and it's shorter than the ones we've done before, but we'll begin with kind of an overview. So they appeared a weak team in World Cup qualification until 1994, when their strong Asian Cup form caught up. In 1994, they went through qualification undefeated and won two games in the group stage to reach the top 16. Uh, they reached the World Cup for the next three editions after, but they didn't again pass the group stage. In fact, they never won another game, but mustered only two draws in their nine games over those uh, three tournaments. Uh, then in 2010, they didn't qualify, and in 2014, they failed to even reach the final round of qualification, bringing their once dominant reputation as giants in Asia into serious question. But we'll see soon how they fared in 2018. Okay, now the uh, World Cup Finals history is, is quite short, so I'm going to uh, cover that. Uh, so despite good success in the Asian Cup in the 1980s, they never reached the World Cup in that period, and it took until 1994 to do so. However, they made the best of it when they did. Supposedly from the weakest region, and perhaps underestimated, they challenged Netherlands in their opener, losing only 1-2, and that on a late goal at 86. They went on to beat Morocco and Belgium to finish second in the group and advance to the round of 16. There they met Sweden at a peak in strength, and they lost 1-3. And that would be their best result ever. But they did reach the Cup in the following three editions. In 1998, they lost 0-1 to Denmark in their opener, but 0-4 to France. They almost beat South Africa in the third game, but suffered a late equaliser in the fourth minute of injury time. Even a win, though, would not have given them uh, an advancing spot. Uh, it would only have given them third place. But they finished last in the group. Their two goals of the tournaments, both having come on penalties. In 2002, they lost all three games, starting with a 0-8 thrashing at the hands of Germany. They lost to Cameroon and Ireland, exiting the tournament without even a goal. 2006 started with a 2-2 draw against Tunisia. They scored what seemed a winner at 84, only to give up an equaliser in injury time. 
Then they lost heavily to Ukraine, 0-4 in the second game, and 0-1 to Spain in the third game, finishing last in the group for the third time in a row. Well, 2006 was the last time they reached the World Cup, uh, and so we jump uh, directly to their recent history now, looking at how they fared in the 2008-18 World Cup qualification. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with the qualification. Uh, Saudi Arabia received a bye in round one of three, which is a qualifying round, and then comfortably won a round two group stage, um, suffering only away draws in Palestine and UAE, um, but winning games over Malaysia and East Timor. Um, despite uh, being bested by Australia in round three, they finished second ahead of them, uh, exchanging home wins with group winner Japan. Uh, their only other drop point was an away loss to UAE. Um, it was a very competitive qualifying group with only a single point separating first place Japan um, and then second place Saudi Arabia and Australia, who had 19 points each, uh, one back of Japan. Um, but Saudi Arabia avoided the playoff uh, by virtue of a better goal difference. Um, interestingly, Saudi Arabia fired their manager between the end of qualification um, and the tournament. Um, oh, uh, yes, before, and... Um, yeah, that's but, right. Okay, yes, Saudi Arabia fired their manager between the end of qualification and the tournament. Uh, they went into the tournament as a second lowest ranked team and hope sank further when they were thrashed by uh, host Russia, who were the only lower ranked team in the tournament. Uh, however, a respectable 0-1 loss to Uruguay was followed by a comeback win over Egypt uh, for third place in the group and a good way uh, to end the tournament, uh, getting uh, their first win um, in their last four tournament attempts. Right. So um, did you mention Mohamed Al-Salawi? No. Do you want to speak about him? Yeah, yeah. He scored uh, 15 of Saudi Arabia's 45 goals in qualifying. So I think you had said um, 16 for Robert Lewandowski. But in fact, um, I'm not sure whether it was 15 or 16, but they were tied for the most goals in qualifying, okay. along with uh, a United Arab Emirates player, uh, uh, Ahmed Khalil. So um, look out for Mohamed Al-Salawi. Uh, in the cup, he's a big scorer for them. Okay, well, we move on to uh, the World Cup 22 uh, qualifying campaign. All right, so um, they were not one of the bottom-ranked teams uh, required to play in a preliminary round, so their campaign started uh, in the round two group stage. Um, it started with two away draws uh, in Yemen, um, who are actually playing in Bahrain, um, and third place, uh, Palestine. Uh, but they won all their other games to finish first in the group stage, five points clear of second place, uh, Uzbekistan, uh, who did not advance. Um, in the final round, they won all games at home and lost only to Japan um, to finish first of six in the final round of qualifying. The only other point drops were in the form of ties in Australia and China. All in all, it was a comfortable and impressive qualification uh, for another World Cup appearance. Okay, well, uh, oh, I was on the wrong thing there. But yes, here they are. Um, 
in the World Cup for the second time in a row, and we'll be talking about their chances a bit later on. Actually, that's coming up soon, but we're going to take a look at their uh, regional cup history, their Asian Cup history, uh, just in an overview. So even though their football federation was established in 1956, they were not part of the Asian Federation until the mid-70s. They qualified uh, for the 1976 Asian Cup, but withdrew from that and from the... Uh, no, they didn't withdraw from the following cup. They just didn't enter in 1980. So 1984 became their first completed entry, and they immediately became a top Asian team, winning the title in 1984 and then again in 1988. Indeed, they came first or second until uh, 2007, other than a ghastly year in 2004 when they were knocked out at the group stage. Uh, that seemed an anomalous year, actually, uh, but in truth, it foreshadowed an end to their dominance. In 2011 and 2015, they were also knocked out at the group stage, and they seemed a second-tier team in the region, also failing, as we saw, to reach the World Cups in 2010 and 2014. They at least returned to the World Cup in 2018, but let's see if they return to form in the 2019 Asian Cup. So 2018 World Cup qualifying made up the first two rounds of qualification uh, for, the, for the Asian Cup um, and their first place finish in round two ahead of the UAE and Palestine qualified them automatically for the regional tournament. Uh, they proved no match for the best teams um, but we're unlucky to face uh, two finalists um, in the group stage, or sorry, along the way. Um, they started well beating Lebanon and North Korea, um, though those were two of the weaker and less, uh, the weakest of the lesser teams at the tournament. Um, then they met eventual champions Qatar in their final group stage game. Um, Qatar beat them, um, which left Saudi Arabia second in the group stage. That led them to a tough round of 16 opponent in Japan, uh, to whom they lost 1-0, um, and Japan would go on to lose to Qatar in the final. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, a bit uh, ambivalent in terms of whether uh, they've returned to strength. That was another fairly weak performance, but they are reaching uh, World Cups. Uh, there's one other thing to talk about Um the FIFA Arab Cup. Do you want to do that or do you want me to talk about it? Yeah, so this was a tournament held among Arab countries, which covered uh, Africa and um, and the Middle East. It was kind of a, a warm-up um, for the World Cup in Qatar. Qatar hosted and it kind of took the place that the Confederations Cup used to. Um, and a lot of teams took this tournament quite seriously. Um, in the group stage, uh, though, Saudi Arabia lost one nothing to Morocco, tied Palestine, and then lost to Jordan. So they actually finished uh, with just a single point and did not advance to the round of 16. Okay, so um, as you said, a lot of teams took the tournament seriously. I actually think that Saudi Arabia was not one of them, and they sent a, kind of a weak team uh, to that cup. So... I don't think we can. Uh, that's a pretty poor performance, but I don't think we can uh, we can uh, use it as an argument to say they they're a weak team here. Uh, maybe the the friendlies they're playing, which are never actually that um, revealing, 
but they may be even a bit more revealing than that Arab Cup. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, so they've had friendlies um, all at home and a couple games coming up at home as well. Uh, they beat Kuwait one nothing, but then lost at home to both Colombia and Venezuela. So um, both games won nothing. So they failed to score in those friendlies against their uh, South American opponents. Right. Well, it makes a bit more sense for them to play at home because the uh, the climate will be similar to yeah. Qatar. Uh, nevertheless, they do have upcoming games. Uh, quite a few of them, in fact. They they're hosted to play uh, Ecuador and USA in September and Honduras in October. Those are all at home. And then right before the Cup, they've uh, scheduled three games away, uh, one in Iceland, another in Panama, and another in Croatia. So they'll be getting getting some good air miles out of that, hey? Yeah. And then in terms of their schedule, they start with uh, arguably their toughest match against Argentina and then play Poland and Mexico after that. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the historical part of the tournament. And uh, we are going to just do a summary uh, of each team and a look at their form coming into this cup uh, before we um, uh, just to kind of remind people of uh, all we've talked about. And so let's begin uh, by talking about Argentina. So in terms of a summary of Argentina, Uh, Their greatest periods in the Copa America did not match their greatest periods in the World Cups. It's a shame that a strong period in the 1950s, as far as regional tournaments go, saw them not participating in two World Cups during that time and doing poorly on their return in 1958. Their best period in the World Cup, their two titles in 1978 and 1986, actually coincided with their worst period in South America, knocked out at the group stage three times in a row from 1975 to 1983. Second place on a hungry search for a title was their defining feature in the new millennium, a title to justify the greatness of Lionel Messi. Uh, Four out of five second place finishes in Copa Americas from 2000 and four to 2016, and also second place in the 2014 World Cup, was teeth-grindingly frustrating for them. A round of 16 finish in 2018, uh, in the 2018 World Cup, and third place in Copa America 2019, drew them even further from their title dream. Their last one, now in the distant past of the 1993 Copa America. But... In 2021, they got it and did so in Brazil to add a measure of glory. They can now go forward unhaunted and may prove the better for it as their strategy seemed to rotate around Messi uh, a bit too much over the previous decade. Argentina remain a very strong team and are better uh, than their record, which can only be described as a drought uh, in recent years. Uh, Since a successful period in the early 90s, Uh, second place in the 1990 World Cup and Copa America wins in 1991 and 93. They have had uh, no titles to boast about uh, up until that 2021 Copa America. Uh, Aggravatingly, they finished second in four of the five Copa Americas from 2004 to 16 um, and second in the 2014 World Cup. Uh, Internal team strife in 2018 led to an exit at the round of 16 in the World Cup 
and put in doubt that Messi will ever gain that recognition. Though the team controversy subsided in 2019, um, a third place finish in a struggling uh, 2019 Copa America uh, made it 26 years since their last cup win, again up until 2021. And this time, uh, inarguably, or perhaps Messi's last World Cup, um, they will still strive for this elusive title. Yeah, a Copa America is good, but uh, a World Cup is uh, what they what they always wanted. So, um, yeah, a bit of uh, sorry about a bit of repetition there in the um, in the summary of Mexico. Uh, sorry of uh, Argentina, but let's move on to our summary of uh, Mexico. And uh, I'll do the historical summary and. Uh, Conan will talk a bit more about recent form. So Mexico are a middling team at the world level uh, and one of the top two teams, if inconsistently so, in their own region. Uh, at the world level, the only time they passed the group stage of the World Cup before 1994 was the two times they hosted. And their consistent round of 16 finishes since 1994 aptly describes their level. It's supported by their results in Confederation Cup and Copa America appearances, which average out to quarterfinal finishes. By these measures, they had a peak in the 1990, in the 1990s with second place finishes in both, as well as three Gold Cup titles in a row in their own region. They have generally prized these competitions above regional ones, sending, for example, their A team to the 2017 Confederations Cup and a B team to the 2017 Gold Cup. That became a concern for CONCACAF, who after 2016 didn't allow them to participate in the Copa America as they had done consistently from 1993. Perhaps uh, Mexico was overestimating themselves as needing better competition than their region could provide. Since 2002, they only once qualified as the top team in the region. And in 2014, they finished fourth, requiring an inter intercontinental playoff to reach the cup. Uh, in the regional cup two, in five of the 12 editions from 2000, they failed to reach the final of the uh, of the uh, Gold Cup. Nevertheless, they are on average the top team in a relatively in a relatively weak region. Yeah, since 2011, the regional title has alternated back and forth between Mexico and the United States, uh, like clockwork. It is not necessarily the case that they uh, come second when USA comes first, um, as their two semi-final exits in 2013 and 2017 show. But they won in 2019 and USA won in 2021 uh, with Mexico coming second. And their form is generally consistent um, as, uh, as a long string of round of 16 finishes in the World Cup shows. It is concerning though that the USA won the 2021 Gold Cup with essentially their B team and Mexico's A team required a late winner over Canada in the semi-final of that cup. And they came second to Canada in World Cup 2022 qualifying uh, where they were third from the halfway point up until the final game uh, where they pipped the USA for second. So they may be at a slight lull in their form. This seems to be the case with their squad, a very solid team but with no uh, outstanding talents. Uh, however, this has usually been the case for Mexico, so overall their current form does not uh, seem uh, significantly different uh, from their regular form. 
All right, that is Mexico in a nutshell, and we will put uh, Poland in a, in a similar nutshell with the summary. So in summary, their only Euro qualifications have been in the last four cups, and that strong period is ongoing for them, accompanied by World Cup qualifications in 2018 and in 2022. It's an oddity that they didn't reach the Euro Cup during their other strong periods, especially in the 1970s and 80s. That differs from their current period of strength. That was defined by spectacular results, as we said, uh, winning seven, sorry, winning 11 of 12 group stage games over four cups and reaching the final stages every time and finishing third twice. The current period and their brief period of World Cup strength in the early 2000s, though, is defined simply by reaching the cup with greater consistency. And only in Euro 2016 uh, did they pass a group stage game. Uh, sorry, did they pass a group stage? Yeah, the current period of, I guess we'll call it consistency rather than strength, it's ongoing, uh, maintained by uh, reaching the 2022 World Cup. But though it is an impressive period in terms of strong qualification runs, it is bland and disappointing in the actual tournaments. 2018 saw the same pattern as in the 2002 and 2006 World Cups, knocked out after two losses with a meaningless win in the third game. Only 2016 met the expectations of fans, uh, undefeated in the group stage and two penalty shootouts in the final stages. 2020 saw them earn only a draw at the European Championships. Recent and current Euro Nations League play seems, uh, sees them beyond their depth with the top teams um, and competitive only with second-tier teams like Bosnia and Herzegovina and Wales. All right. Well, uh, the fourth team is Saudi Arabia. And uh, Saudi Arabia was late in joining world and Asian competitions, but they were dominant in Asia from their first completed entry in 1984. Uh, they won three of their first four cups and they were in the final for six of the first seven until 2007. Uh, that strength was not reflected in World Cup play until 1994 when they qualified for their first cup and reached a round of 16. A terrible performance in the 2004 Asian Cup was the first sign of trouble. And though they had some success after that, they entered a very poor period from 2010 to 2018, failing to reach the World Cup in 2010 and 2014, and falling at the group stage of the 2011 and 2015 Asian Cups. They recovered somewhat from that long slump, uh, which threatened to define them as a second-tier team, um, by qualifying for the World Cup in 2018 and beating Egypt in it. Passing the group stage of the 2019 Asia Cup was an improvement, but hardly a return to their dominance in Asia as they were knocked out at the round of 16. A solid qualification for the 2022 World Cup, finishing first ahead of Japan and Australia, argues their return to being a top-tier team in Asia, in Asia, but confirmation is needed in the form of a competitive World Cup campaign and a better result than top 16 in the 2023 Asian Cup. Oh, you're just on mute there, Kev. Sorry, <laughs> that summarizes the team. So now let's get into the meat of things a little bit. And we'll begin with the uh, rankings. How are they ranked? So Argentina are currently third in, 
in FIFA and second in ELO. So they've actually moved up a little bit from their fourth place or fourth uh, place ranking in FIFA at the time of the World Cup draw. Yeah, that'll be. So, uh, sorry, that'll be due to their uh, their 2021 uh, title, I guess. That yeah, that's right. So a top three team in both rankings with the two systems agreeing there. Right. Uh, in 2018, they they were as low as 11th, but uh, they've uh, been first in the world in Ju- in 2016 and also in 2008 uh, probably part of the reason they were so hungry for a title to justify it mm-hmm. so mexico is a part two team they're ranked 12th uh, in fifa and 22nd in elo so about 10 spots lower there and they were ninth at the time with the draw uh so they slipped a little bit um and kind of the that uh uh 12th place in fifa rankings is is kind of where they've been for much of the last several years yeah, they have. Uh, do you? Do you? That's quite a difference. Ten points at the top. Do you feel more like they're twelfth or more like they're twenty second? Yeah, I mean, we generally trust the Elo rankings a bit more. I mean, I, I perhaps leaned kind of in between. I mean, Mexico are very strong in their region, um, but you know, comparing them against European and South American teams, you kind of have to kind of have to see i think the fact that they're a top 16 team in the world cup but no further kind of argues for them being roughly around 16th oh well put yeah all right how about poland uh poland are the pot three team and they were they're 26th in fifa and 28th in elo so that has some 14 spots behind uh mexico in the fifa rankings but just uh six spots behind them in elo um and yeah, Poland have uh, have fluctuated a little bit. They were sixth in the FIFA rankings in June 2017, but 76 in 2013. So they've uh, they've bounced around, but have settled recently, kind of at that 26 mark. Yeah, those uh, rankings uh, kind of were followed by the ELO rankings, but not as dramatically. Uh, rather than sixth in 2017, they were 13th. And instead of 76, they were 53rd, which is still bouncing around, uh, bouncing around quite a bit. Yeah, and then Saudi Arabia, they're the pot 14. They're 53rd in FIFA and 56th uh, in ELO. So they are one of the lower ranked teams um, coming into this World Cup. All right. Well, I'll summarize by saying that... uh, um, you know, according to FIFA rankings, it's pretty pretty uh, clearly divided with Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and and uh, Saudi Arabia first, second, third, and fourth quite separated. However, ELO rankings kind of uh, uh, judging by the rankings predicts a bit of a battle for second there between Mexico and Poland, since they have Mexico uh, only slightly ahead of Poland. All right. Well, let's look at the head-to-head record. Um, and we'll start with Argentina versus Mexico. And Argentina has dominated, winning six uh, of their eight games, tying one and losing uh, just one other. Yeah, they've met in some uh, pretty significant games. Uh, the 1993 Copa America final, Argentina won that. And uh, we saw in the histories that they met in the 2006 and the 2010 round of 16. Uh, basically, Argentina have won. Uh, any time they've met in the World Cup and Mexico's 
Uh, Mexico's only results were in Copa Americas uh, a long time ago. Yeah, in terms of Argentina versus Poland, um, they've met twice, um, and they've each won one game. That was in Poland's period of strength in the 1970s, Poland winning in 1974 World Cup and losing in the 1978 World Cup. Yeah, so that's a, a bit of a false measurement. We'd have to say that uh, um, um, they're, they're not quite even over the course of history, but we're, we're fairly even during that time. Yeah, and then Argentina have never met Saudi Arabia, so this will be their first uh, competitive meeting. Um, Mexico versus Saudi Arabia. Mexico has the edge. Uh, they've won their, their two meetings. Um, yeah, they were both in uh, 1997 and 1999 Confederations Cup, so I wouldn't say they're that relevant, other than the fact that Mexico won 5 nothing and 5-1, so uh, uh, proving very superior there. Poland and Saudi Arabia have never met, but then Poland and Mexico have met once, um, which Poland won. That was also in uh, the 1978 World Cup uh, group stage, uh, Poland winning 3-1. Okay, well, Poland's coming out looking a bit better than their, their standard thing since most of the times they've met these teams were at a period of strength for them. Let's move on to uh, the odds. Now, we're not um, uh, promoting uh, betting here, um, but rather just thinking of what uh, other people, how, how other people are seeing this. So I've taken... Uh, three or four websites and uh, kind of average the results uh, over those things. And you want to take us through the odds? We decided to do uh, odds to qualify. Um, we also did odds to win the group, but um, we thought odds to qualify would be better to talk about here. Yeah. So Argentina are the heavy favorites, given a 93% chance to advance from the group stage. Mexico and Poland are very, very close. Mexico at 52.8 and Poland at 52.4%. So virtually nothing between them in terms of the odds makers. Mm -hmm. And then Saudi Arabia uh, are the outsiders at just 14%. Okay, well, it looks like the odds makers are going along with the ELO rankings rather than the uh, FIFA rankings there. Uh, as far as the odds to win the group are, just, just one comment uh, to make there, and that's... Uh, Argentina is given a sixty or a seventy percent chance, sixty nine point seven, uh, to win the group. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, does that represent their chances of winning the group? I'm a, I'm a little surprised at that much lower. I mean, I think Argentina, you know, would be favorite to advance, but um, yeah, obviously they see some some room for slip up, or perhaps Argentina not coasting through the group, which I I think is uh, is reasonable. All right, well, let's get into the discussion a bit. Um, um, do you want to just start off by talking about Argentina? Yeah, so, um, I mean, Argentina are the pot one team. They're ranked very highly in the world. Um, so on the face of it, they should win the group. Um, but, you know, they haven't been a team that, um, you know, always perform to the best of their abilities. I mean, they have got the finals, they have, um, you know, the recent Copa America Cup win, um, but, you know, they, they do drop points along the way. Um, and then look at the last World Cup, they opened with a tie against Iceland and were very lucky after losing heavily to Croatia to get 
to get past Nigeria. So mm. um, they're not an infallible team, though they, they they can be good in the later stages of the tournament. Um, but overall, I I would think that they will win this group, but not not by winning all three games. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I think uh, I see Argentina a bit like England. Uh, um... I actually don't see any of these teams posing a threat to them because I think uh, Argentina is the strongest team by quite a margin. Uh, I think the only danger to Argentina is themselves. Uh, and, and in some tournaments, I would say by overconfidence or nerves. But uh, this time, I think because they won that 2022, uh, sorry, they, they have earned that title for Messi. Uh, I really kind of feel that they'll be a bit more relaxed at this tournament. And, you know, they won't be upset by overconfidence or infighting or anxiety or nerves. Uh, I actually think this is going to be a really good tournament for Argentina. All right. In terms of uh, Mexico and Poland, um, how do you see those two uh, faring? Do you see them... Do you see Mexico having an edge like FIFA does, or do you see them fairly close? No, I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I think that FIFA ranking is way too generous. I mean, uh, they didn't finish first in their region. Uh, uh, they they lost to America's B team in the in the 2021 uh, Cup. And in terms of squad, I don't see any top players. I mean, they they have very good players. Herrera. Jimenez, um, they have a number of good players, um, Irving Lozano, but they don't—they don't seem to have some of the stars that they've gone into other tournaments with, and I think it's showing in their results. Uh, how about you on Mexico? Well, it's an interesting point about Mexico because when you're looking at stars, you have obviously Lionel Messi and you have Robert Lewandowski, yeah, who many people felt should have been given the what should have been awarded the best player of the year for FIFA when it was canceled during COVID just recently. And he's, you know, moved to Barcelona now, but has had unbelievable form with Bayern Munich. So in terms of stars, you give Poland the edge and I guess an individual star power. But that said, despite Lewandowski and despite the buckets of goals he scored in qualifying, Poland have struggled at major tournaments, um, even with him. Um, and, you know, Lewandowski personally hasn't scored a lot of goals in finals tournaments. So in a way, you could argue that they perhaps underperformed with a player of that quality. Um, when I look at these two teams, um, I, I do give Mexico the edge over Poland. Um, and I just think you have a Poland team that kind of underperforms in major tournaments compared to a Mexico team that is very consistent uh, in tournaments, often getting to the final in their region. I mean, getting to the round of 16, the last seven tournaments here. Um, so I'm going to give Mexico the edge with their consistency. Yeah, I agree with a lot with what you said there. I mean, Poland's strength, uh, uh, what, what we called a good period, has been kind of consistency in qualifying. And really, that means consistency over kind of equal or lesser teams. Uh, they're really not a match for the for bigger teams, so I don't think they'll challenge Argentina at all. And as you say, you know, if Mexico's a better team, they may uh, may not challenge them. And uh, they have been so bland and uninspiring in all but the Euro 2016 
uh, Euro Cup that I think that's kind of the norm for them. So despite having a great player by Lewandowski, I mean, he just doesn't seem to, um, uh, whatever it is, like the, the team uh, just doesn't service him well or or there's just some problem with uh, their motivation, you know. They never do well in the Cup. So I actually think that um, not only will Poland probably not challenge Mexico, but I think they're in a bit of danger from dark horses, Saudi Arabia. What do you make of Saudi Arabia? I think they in qualified impressively, topping a group with Japan and, and Australia is quite good. Um, but I, I really don't see Saudi Arabia posing a threat. I think this is actually a, a difficult group for them. Um, you know, they were in a fairly easy group in the last World Cup with with you know, Russia, Egypt, and Uruguay. Um, and they got they got a late win. You know, it was a late goal. Their other goal was a penalty, so it wasn't like they were convincing against uh, Egypt in that win. And I, I do see them a little bit out of the depth. I don't, looking over the past decade, you know, with a couple World Cup failures and poor performance in the Asian Cups, I don't really see any signs. But Elfenard, Connor, Elfenard! You'll have to explain that. Oh, Irv Renard is their manager. Ah, Irv Renard, <laughs> yes. Irv Renard, yes. Yeah, sorry, your French accent. Um, he is a wild card. He's, he's a spectacular um, international manager um, who took Morocco to the last World Cup. He's coached Ivory Coast, Zambia. Um, so, yeah, perhaps he's their, he's their um, I'll say, second biggest asset because the fact that the, the tournament is being played in Middle East um, you know, is perhaps an advantage. It won't quite be a home game, but it'll feel more like that. So yeah. maybe I'm being a bit unkind to them with them with the or discounting their home field advantage. Um, but overall, I, I don't really see them posing a threat here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do give them a bit more credit than you seem to be giving them. Like, uh, yeah, I'm kind of joking about Irv Renard, but uh, he does seem to bring the best out of teams. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's a plus. And as you say, I think the uh, climate will be uh, a plus for them, uh, as if they're playing at home. In terms of uh, in terms of weather, I'm not sure. In terms of culture, but um, uh, they are kind of back to their best in Asia. Like that was a very impressive qualification over Japan and uh, uh, Australia, and they have been. Uh, much stronger in the past. I mean, they are kind of coming out of a very weak period. So a lot of people, maybe that's all they'll know about Saudi Arabia is that, oh, yeah, I've never even kind of heard of them in terms of soccer, whereas they were like three Asian Cups in a row, uh, consistent World Cup qualifications, one of the first Asian teams to uh, pass the group stage in 1994. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to overpower or be competitive here. Um, I just think they're a bit of a dark horse that, that other teams may take for granted. I, I could agree with that dark horse statement, especially being at home. Pretty much all their players play domestically, so they, they all play in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And you're right, Herb Renard is a great manager who tends to get the best out of his players. So they're not to be taken lightly, but you know, and they might be competitive at the game level. Um, however, I just don't see it at the group level. They're really threatening to advance. I wonder if they're kind of going for a feint. I really wondered about that, uh, sending their B team 
uh, to a tournament in Qatar. You, you think they, and, and because most of them do play in Saudi Arabia, it's right next door. Why would they not send their A team to the 2021 Arab Cup? And I think it, it, it may be because they didn't want to tip their hand or even more strategically, uh, they wanted to look weak coming into this cup because I think uh, one of their greatest strengths may be the element of surprise. Yeah, well, that would be a bold strategy for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you have wavered, you have dodged, you have uh, ducked. Uh, but now I'm going to put you to the test and say, what do you say? Who is going to win this group? Um, I'm quite confident in my ordering of this group, or maybe not confident in that. I'm not sure I'm right, but it's clear cut enough to me. I see Argentina first, Mexico second, Poland third, Saudi Arabia fourth. So that does go with the pot rankings. I see some points dropped. Um, maybe Saudi Arabia getting doing well to get a point, um, perhaps against a, you know an underperforming Poland. Um, but I, in terms of the, the closest battle, which I think is for second place, I see Mexico as the stronger and more importantly, the more consistent team. All right. Well, I'm going to shock you here because I'm going to say uh, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Saudi Arabia ahead of Mexico and Poland. I do. I realize I'm being a bit contrary and perhaps uh, overestimating their chances, but I, I think they have a lot of uh, a lot of small things going for them. And I think playing the cup in the Middle East will be uh, very important to them. Uh, but it's also just because, to me, Mexico seem a bit weaker. I mean, you talk about their consistency and their top 16 finishes. To me, they seem a bit weaker uh, than in the past when they've earned those results. So I, I do think the top 16 will be a bit tougher for them to, to reach here. And Poland, uh, they're just perennially flat. So, um, again, uh, of course, both of those teams could could uh, uh, play well in the cup because they have the talent to. Um, but I'm going to I'm just going to say Saudi Arabia, because I think they have a few things moving in more in their direction. Yeah, well, I don't agree with you, but I, I will say in the 2002 World Cup in Asia, both South Korea and Japan performed very well. They were at home. South Saudi Arabia are very, very close to home. Um, so, you know, it's possible we could see a bit of a repeat of that tournament, um, you know, if, if Saudi Arabia and particularly Qatar perform well. I got to say, I hope so, because uh, I always find the tournaments outside of Europe a lot more interesting than the tournaments uh, in Europe. They throw up more surprises and uh, teams from various regions tend to do a little bit better. So um, I'm excited about this World Cup for that reason. Absolutely. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. And those who are unfamiliar with our podcast might want to keep listening for some information uh, for further listening. But if you're familiar with our podcast and you know about the other series that we've done, uh, it might be a good time to turn off. So we'll say goodbye to you people and then stay on the line for those who want to hear about the other podcasts that we've done. Okay, uh, further listening. We've done nine different series of podcasts if you're interested in a deeper dive. Uh, some of the information may be dated. 
but some of the histories focus on different aspects of the team histories. So it can help you to get to know teams more intimately. Yes, as mentioned, this is our 10th series and we have done at least one series on every region except Oceania. We have files for that region too and we'll do one down the road so as not to leave them out. But let's go region by region. Uh, right, so Europe, our first series was a group by group podcast on the teams of Euro 2020. Uh, that was played in the summer of 2021. And uh, for South America, we also did a group by group podcast on the teams in Copa America 2021. For North America, we have done three series on CONCACAF. The first was a group by group podcast on the teams in the 2021 Gold Cup. That included a look at Qatar. The second was a preview of the eight teams in the final round of World Cup CONCACAF qualifying. That came with our first player series where we went team by team through the players. The third was an update halfway through that qualification. Yes, and for uh, Asia, we did a group by group podcast on the 12 teams in the final round of World Cup qualifying, and that included a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualifying history. We have done three series on African teams. The first was a group by group podcast on the 24 teams in the 2021 African Cup, played in early 2022. The second, done around the same time, was a team by team series on the players for each of those teams. Third and finally, we have recently concluded a series on almost all teams in Africa, a group by group examination of the 12 qualifying groups for the 2023 African Cup. This included a deep dive into their African Cup history, which is quite extensive. This provides a look into some of the lesser teams that rarely even qualify for the African Cup. Right, and we realize that not everyone is interested in the level of detail that we go into. So starting from that series, the 2023 African Cup series, uh, we're editing our media, media casts into shorter versions. Uh, generally, for groups and teams, this will just be a summary, uh, a summary uh, and discussion segments of the longer podcasts. And for the player, uh, the player ones, just the sections on the squad's overall strength and a list of the uh, main players that we expect to reach the competition. So uh, that's usually two or three groups per episode. Yes, otherwise each long version of the series contains a deep dive into the matter at hand. So if it's African Cup qualification, for example, it's a deep dive into the team's history of African Cup qualification. Or if it's the World Cup qualification, a deep dive into each team's history in qualifying for the World Cup. Right, and all of those podcasts can be found in our library at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. That's soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And uh, we also provide a link to our website and other relevant material in the show notes for each uh, media cast. And in general, uh, to find us, you can type Soccer Files Canada into Google, and uh, it's easy to find your way from there. Or just check out the show notes for this or any of our media casts, and it'll be easy to navigate uh, from there. Okay, see you in our future media casts.